So Joe, Reverend Petty, um, all I got from that was waiting to go fishing. That's all I got from that whole message. And, you know, he's Malax and Woolai, and my mind went there. Pat, I know you went there as well, so I wasn't the only one. So no, it's good. Thank you. I, I love how God brings all those things together. I'm going to talk with, huh? That's right. There is some light there. Sun's shining. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Get off the ice. So, but I'm going to talk about another fisherman this morning a little bit as we are continue our study in the book of Peter. Peter. Yeah, man, you guys. First Peter. That's right. We haven't got to Second Peter yet, but it, it's coming eventually. So, uh, but First Peter. And so we've been in First Peter for a while now. Uh, we've been working through it systematically and. Believe it or not, we're actually all the way up to chapter 4 today, so we're, we're making good ground, we're, we're, we're cruising through, because there's only five chapters, so we, we're doing well, and we're going to try to do, at least this morning, if God allows, we're going to do all of chapter 4, all 19 verses. That's not too great a, a feat, but it is, um, it is a lot. I mean, it's God's Word, and um, I don't know about you, but as I've been studying through First Peter and working through it, God kind of keeps showing me more and more about it as I go through, and one of the, the things that kind of popped in my head this week, I was having a conversation with another pastor, and, and we were saying, man, you know, do you have any Peters in your congregation? And, and, and Peters could be, be tough, right? Peters would, could be a, a, a tough thing to, to shepherd or to have in your congregation, right? Because Peter is bold, and he just jumps in feet first, and he, he's a man of action first, and he thinks about it later, and um, I can identify with that and resemble that on more than one occasion. But yet, Peter, as he grows older and as he matures and as he's gone through life over and over, he settles down a little bit and he gets a little more reflective and his perspective changes. And if you've been with us, you know, we've been working through this, Peter is reminded of the resurrection, right? And he always is pointing us towards the future, right? Keep on those heavenly thoughts, looking ahead. But in the meantime, as with a lot of the apostles, is in the meantime, we have work to do. We have things to do. We're, it's not a, hey, I'm, I'm saved, I'm a child of God, and now I can just rest or wait, right? And as we've been looking at this, he, he talks about us as living rocks. If you were with us, you know, one week, I called you a bunch of rocks and most of you didn't throw any at me, and you were forgiving and understood in, the, in light of the passage. But that working together, right, with Christ being the cornerstone. And then we spent about a week and a half working through submission, right, that, that, that hard word, right, that willingly putting ourselves under the authority, our government, those in charge of us, and then we even got down to marriage, right? For those of us that are married and that submission and what that looks like. And then husbands and wives, we did that right before Valentine's. I hope that worked out well for you guys. Um, I reminded you, so if you missed it, you're on your own. Uh, We'll work on forgiveness later. No. And then (laughs) last week, we we took a look at um, what's going to, how to respond, right? And it's kind of a carryover into this week, and this week we're going to look at respond subject to suffering. You say, wow, Charlie, that's a real downer of a subject, right? Suffering. But you know what? Peter fully expects that to happen. 
He knows it's going to happen, and it was happening to that church at that time. And as believers, we need to be prepared in how to respond to that. My son Jared is actually in the middle of a three-part series, and it's titled Suffering. And we didn't collaborate, or, and, and Jared's mind and how he preaches and how I are totally different and, uh, to line that up. But he's doing this deep study on suffering. And I listened to the first one, and I'm like, oh, man. That was a tough message. I'm glad I'm in Peter and I'm not in the psalm that he's using. It's a lament psalm that talks about suffering. But as believers, we need to expect that we are going to suffer. And some of that suffering is our own fault. Some of that suffering is nothing that we've done at all. And that's important. And so that's kind of the basis for chapter 4. And so if you're just visiting today, you're caught up. You're, you're right there with all of us. And so let's begin with chapter 4. Um, and again, there's a reason why I try to catch you up, because it's a continuation, right, in the letter. And 4 is no different. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because they do suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but for the will of God. Right? So there's been a change. Like I said, once we're saved, there needs to be a change in our lives and how we live, our purpose. Right? But Peter is saying here, just as Christ suffered, we're going to suffer. As I was working through this and looking back, if you look back at the life of Christ... Right? He was falsely accused. He was, he, he, relationships didn't always work out. Right, He lost a lot of his disciples. He lost a lot more than he actually gained. Right? He had people betray him, rejected by many. That's Jesus' suffering. And Peter's saying, hey, we can identify the same way. That's going to happen to us. Right? And I know I was talking with many of you and knowing many of you that living the Christian life brings about that, right? There is some suffering. There's some, some losing of relationships. Sometimes we get falsely accused. Sometimes people gossip about us. They slander us. That is normal, Peter is saying, really, as we identify with Christ. But again, we're not to live the old way. Right? If you remember back to last week, right? We don't repay evil with evil right? Or insult with insult. That's difficult. In our flesh, we want to do that, right? You hit me, I'm going to hit you, that, that reaction. But again, we have to respond differently, he, and that's what Peter is encouraging us to do here, that we have a different response. Verse 3, it says, for you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Again, he's talking about his interaction, right? That, that changeover, when you became a, a new creation, a new believer, right? Undoubtedly, you lose some friends, right? They don't understand. They don't understand what's taking place, the change. And Peter's saying, you can't play that game anymore. You can't be in both camps. You have to make that change, and you're going to lose people because of it. In fact, they're going to be surprised. Like, why aren't you hanging out with me? 
Why aren't we going out together and getting drunk anymore? Why aren't we doing the things that we used to do? Because you're a new creation. You come under conviction. You know that that's not the right way to live anymore. Then they, he says, they're even surprised at you, right? And if that wasn't enough, then they tend to heap abusive, right? And we could go through that list, right? Oh, you're a goody two-shoes, or you think you're better than me. No, not at all. It's a reminder, though, that we are a changed creation, and we, we need to live differently as believers. Verse 5. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge both the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to the human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. It's kind of a back and forth here, and again, Peter knows the argument, and so he's giving this message, and he's saying, hey, don't worry about them. Don't, don't, you don't have to be their judge, right? God's going to take care of it. God's the one that knows the heart. He's the one that can really, truly judge. We don't have to make that judgment. And I've often said that we are ill-qualified to do that anyways. We don't know people's hearts. We don't know their motivations. We can't see into that. We're, it's way above our pay grade, Right? Leave it to God. God will be the one that makes those judgments. But don't forget, everyone is going to be judged. Right? Justice will be served. And so that's what this passage is reminding us of. And then don't miss this last part of verse 6, because it's very important. He says, I'll judge according to the human stands in regard to the body, but... Live according to God in regard to the Spirit, right? That battle that we have as believers, we still have it, right? We still have our sin and our flesh, that part of us, and then we have the other side, the, the, the following after Christ, to be holy, as Peter reminded us in chapter 2, right? That battle that goes on within us. And I wish it was only a, a once-a-day decision. All right, I'm going to live for Christ today, and everything goes smoothly, I don't know for you, but for me, it's a moment-by-moment, conversation-by-conversation. And oftentimes, we don't make it. We fail. We ask for forgiveness, get back on the right trail again, right? But here, it's the hearkening to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Purposely stop just with that one verse, because that verse has a lot in it, right? And that reminder again that Peter is saying, hey, don't lose sight. The end is near. There is a better day ahead. There is hope. There's a lot of hope with that, right? Peter doesn't forget that, right? And again, he's talking to a church that's being persecuted. They are literally facing death every single day. And he's saying, hey, don't lose sight. There's something better ahead. But just like the verse before, don't miss it. He says, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that, each, uh, so that you may, be, may pray. I like the fact that PJ was bringing up prayer, and we were actually at a prayer meeting last very much, so we were talking about one of the things that it's a struggle with prayer, and today I think it would apply very much so is focus, right? 
it's so easy to be, dis, to, to be um, not, not in focus, not to focus on prayer, not to focus on what God has for us, right? We're distracted, right? And one of my, my worst enemies for me now is, is this thing. I love it to some degree, and it's helpful, but it is a huge distraction, right? Very easily I can slip over when I'm even reading my Bible on my phone app. Well, I'm not, not so old that I can still do that. And, and reading, right? But then Facebook pops up, a message or a text. And all of a sudden, I'm down the path three rows, and I've not taken the time to pray. I've gotten distracted. I think that would fit here. Would I be alert. Be purposeful. Be focused. So that I can pray. Verse 8 continues with that same thought. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. This verse is actually almost the exact same verse that's back in chapter 2. Remember, Peter's writing this letter, and so he's, he's circling back in some ways to, to reemphasize some of the points. But midway down through chapter 1, he says, hey, love each other wholeheartedly, right? Love one another. Again, he's talking to the church family here, and he's saying, hey, you need to love each other. That's going to help you. That's going to be part of that protection. Can I also say that one of the most loving acts you can do in a church body is to pray for one another? Jill and I were joking this morning about where people sit, and, and you know, you sit in around the same spots. Some of you move around a little bit, but for the most part, you sit in the same spots. And it's a great help to me in some ways because during the week when this is empty, I can picture you here, and it helps me in my prayer life to, to remind, be reminded of each of you to pray for you because of where you sit. It does help me. I have lists and other things as well, but again, it's a great reminder, right, that if I love you, I'm going to pray for you. And I hope you do the same for me. That's part of that love. Again, love covers over multiple sins. We've talked about that, the unity of the body, the, the unity of Christ, and that, that loving each other. We can put up with a lot. We can put up with some of the differences that we have, or sometimes when we don't agree on something, that love will help us, right? We can, all right, we'll get through this. I know that they love me. It may be hard for me to hear, or they may really be annoying me right now. Not that that ever happens here at Pointway, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, some of you are laughing. Ouch. I know. Come on, not here. Yes. Verse 9, before I get into any more trouble. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality. Man, what a, what a lost thing that is. Now I'm going to sound like an old man, but I remember hospitality was a, a normal thing having meals together, going over to people's houses. And yes, I know there's some of that going on, but not to the degree that it used to be. And obviously here, culturally, that was huge. Hospitality was a big thing. It was expected. But it was a sign of that love and that friendship to have someone over. Now, I did go to a Super Bowl party, and someone was hospital to us, and we had great food, and we watched the game, and that was, was nice. Now, I don't know if they grumbled or not. They may have. Man, that pastor, what a pain. He ate all the cheese dip and, you know, and he didn't get half of the commercials and uh, he wasn't even paying attention. He didn't even care really which team won. No. Again, that's a, a matter of the heart though, right? 
And so I would hearken back to that. Think of ways you can be hospitable. Hospitable. There we go. To show hospitality, right? To do that. And again, it may be just taking someone out for lunch or having them over for coffee. That's still part of that as well. But spending that time together and do it without grumbling. No complaining. Oh, you know, I've had them over three times. They've only had me over once, you know. That doesn't work. You kind of cancel that out if you do that. So some of you can understand that. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love this verse. This is another one of those verses I've got highlighted, I've got underlined. It's a reminder, right? God gives each of us gifts. And what are those gifts for? Just read it. What are those gifts for? To serve others, right? It's not my gift to serve me or for, for, for my edification, right? It's to serve others. And thankfully, God gives different gifts, right? We don't all get the same gift, right? That would be, be problematic in many ways, right? But he gives us each different gifts, but it's to serve others, right? There's a purpose, and the reason why he gives us that gift is to be used in the body for others. Like I said, it's one I come back to often, Right? And it's in various forms. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And again, if I ended there, that would be fine, because that's a great passage, and Peter wraps up that thought, but he's talking about how we speak, right? We should be speaking as though we speak for the Lord, and I shudder at that. That kind of intimidates me in many ways, because my speech is not always that way. But that's the goal. That is where we head to. This is a sidebar. This is a bonus point, but one of the ways we do that is by spending time in God's Word, Right? I want to speak the very words of God, then I got to know God's word. And so I need to spend time in that. And I'm also finding as I'm getting older, I need to spend more time, actually, instead of less time. Even though I've studied longer, I, you would think that it would come easier. But you know what? I'm forgetting more of God's word all the time. And so I have to actually spend a little more time in there and be reminded of those scriptures. Right? Same thing with serving, right? Serve with all your strength. And then don't miss this point. It's for God's glory, right? Again, taking the focus off of us, but on to God. But Peter sticks us in the middle here, and then he goes back to his original thought, right? Back to that suffering. Because as you're doing these things, you're going to suffer, really. And that's why it's in there. And that's why Peter sticks that in the middle. He says, remind you of these things and, and what you're doing and serving. But guess what? Even though when you're doing those things you're going to suffer. Things are going to come against you. And so we go on to verse 12, this next section here of suffering as a Christian. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. 
but rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Right? So it's going to happen. It's coming. There's going to be a, a time. You're going to be going through that difficult time. And Joe was, was mentioning this morning to me that it's been two long months of Amanda suffering with illness. And I know some of you else have, have gone through long periods of time and it, it gets wearing on you. You get weary. It gets difficult. Right? And again, through no fault of your own, it's an outside thing. But it's a test, right? It's a test to, to, to how faithful are you going to remain? Can you see the joy in it? And that's not easy to do, right? It's not easy when you're in the middle of those situations. But Peter is preparing you for the next one. I was saying, if you're this morning, you're in the middle of a tough situation, I'm not telling you just to, to jump out of it and, and start praising God, because that wouldn't be fair. But maybe it's to prepare you for the next one. Maybe you're not quite there yet, but prepare you for the next time. Be reminded of these words, right? Then he shifts gear here a little bit on verse 14 because he's going to talk about that outside that's not of your own making and not, um, nothing that you've done per se. It says, verse 14 says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Whenever I hear that, that bless and, and the, that blessing, I think back to Matthew, right? Those blessings, those beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are peacemakers, right? And even Christ, when, as he came here and as he ministered, he was healing people. He was ministering to thousands at times. Guess what? He still came under insult, from the religious rulers of the time, and he was rejected. And so identifying with Christ in that, Peter says you can find joy in that, and it'll help you. Verse 15, it says, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So Peter makes a distinction here, right? So if you're a murderer or a meddler or, or you've done a crime and you're put in jail or suffering, guess what? And in some ways, and Peter would probably say this, you deserve it. Not being cold or crass, but that's true, right? Sometimes we suffer the consequences for our wrongdoing. If I get a speeding ticket for speeding, the consequence is I'm going to have to pay a fine. My insurance is going to go up. There's a consequence for that. Guess what? That's not suffering for Christ. That's suffering because I have a heavy foot and wasn't winding my speed. I broke the law. I sinned. And so there's a distinction there. But sometimes we suffer because of no fault of our own, but just because who we are in Christ, because of our faith. And so he makes that distinction. There's two types of suffering here. And he says, you can praise God, though, for bearing his name. If I'm suffering because I'm a Christian, I'm in good company. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. In fact, he says to praise God in that. Verse 17. We're working our way through this. I know it's a lot this morning, but um, 
Again, it goes well together. Verse 17, it says, For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Is that obedience is put into this. And again, it's like summarize it and kind of pull it together. It's obedience, right? If God's judging his household, if he's judging the churches, how are we being obedient? How are we doing? Right? Are we being true to the gospel? It's another whole message in that, and I'm not going to go too deep in that this morning, but take some time and look at it this week and study that out. It goes on in verse 18, and he says, And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to, be, to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Back to the response, right? Peter's saying here, if you suffer because of following Christ, how should you respond? Right? How should we respond to that, right? He's saying remain faithful. I also like what he puts here at the end. It's like, continue to do good. Right? And he's certainly given us a lot to do, right? There's been a lot of that, hey, here's the things we need to do. We need to love one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to be in God's word. We need to remain faithful. We need to remain doing things that show hospitality, reaching out. Those are all the things he's been given us to do. And he's saying, hey, Continue to do those. Even though you come under criticism, don't stop. Even though you may become falsely accused, don't stop. And so as I'm wrapping this up, one of the things that kind of came clear to me as I was working through this is remain steadfast, even in the midst of suffering. Don't stop doing the good you've been called to do just because you're suffering. Continue on. And that wraps up this section here. And again, if we look back to the examples of old, that's, uh, we have it pretty easy for the most part. And that's not to make light of our suffering now, but it should be a reminder, though, if things do get tougher, remain steadfast. Continue on doing the good. So that's my encouragement this morning in the, the midst of suffering. Remain steadfast. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, as I thank you so much for my Point Way family, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you would be with each of us. And Lord, this morning, I don't know where each, every person is at this morning. They may be in the midst of suffering, Lord. They may be in that pit of despair. And Lord, I just pray that you would lift them out, that you remind them, that you would use these words to encourage them. Lord, I also know there are some here that this morning that um, just need that little nudge, that reminder to continue on, to speak the words of you and to do everything with your strength, to serve, to serve one another, to love one another. Lord, help us to do these things. Continue to remind us. Continue to encourage us. Continue to watch over our daily lives.
Lord, we also ask for protection as we go about our daily lives. Help us to remain steadfast. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.